Welcome to Fountain Springs Online. At Fountain Springs, we believe in showing unconditional love, irrational generosity, and being unwavering in our mission to show people who Jesus is. We are one church in multiple locations that exists to help grow and guide your relationship with Jesus. We are so glad you've joined us today, and we hope that we can encourage, challenge, and support you in your walk with Jesus. Feel free to join us this coming weekend at any of our locations and services, or call or email us so we can help you in any way. We are so glad that you've joined us today at Fountain Springs Online. Now let's turn our attention to this week's message. All right, well, how's it going, everybody? Uh, I'm excited you are here on this Labor Day weekend with us. My name is Chris Erickson. I'm one of the pastors here at Fountain Springs. And wherever you are watching this or listening, I'm just excited to have you, either at our west location, the east location, our brothers at RCMU, anywhere you may be watching online. Uh, happy Labor Day weekend. It's a cool weekend. You know, fall is officially kicked off. Uh, you heard the kids already back to school. I don't know if you're like me. I woke up this morning to the wonderful sight of NFL or uh, college game day. I don't know if you guys are big football fans. I'd hope so. It's like Christmas. Uh, but fall is here. And uh, a way we honor that is, is by having Labor Day, where, where we appreciate and thank those who work, the, the laborers who have formed our country into what it is today. And so I just wanted to take a few moments and just thank a few of the groups of people that we know work so hard and just say thank you. So we have a few of them here. Uh, teachers, so this is a big one for me. Uh, because I was a terrible student, and I had a lot of teachers over the course of my life that did not give up on me when they probably should have, and I appreciate the fact they never did. Uh, who else do we have? Uh, firefighters. Okay, if you think about this, when we're running out of burning buildings, they're running into them. Uh, I would not do that work, and I appreciate the fact that they are willing to. Uh, and then who else do we have? Uh, police officers. Again, protect and serve our community. You know, that's something that they don't always get the respect they should get, but uh, they keep us safe. They serve us. And, and I'm sure there's, there's a lot of different positions and jobs and people who work out there who deserve a big thank you for everything they do. You know, uh, if you're like me, you remember the first job you had. Uh, for me, it was working at a grocery store growing up in um, I was a high schooler, and, and it was this exciting time because everything was new. And so I, I went to the store, and they had me fill out the paperwork, and I, I got my pin code so I could punch in, and my uniform, which is basically just a green shirt that I had to wear. Uh, they showed me the back room and the break room where all the supplies were, and then my favorite thing out of that whole store, the damaged goods shelf, uh, which was a, a shelf that had damaged food on it that apparently the employees could take to eat. I don't know if that was the actual rule. That's just what we did. We were high schoolers. And so over the course of my four years working there, it was astounding how every single time I was there, there was a damaged case of Mountain Dew. It was like magic. <laughs> and most of you probably have similar stories. And maybe it's not just you know, a, a typical nine-to-five job. Maybe it's your work as a full-time student a full-time parent. Uh, maybe you were tired, but now you're working harder than you ever have before. Maybe you're a full-time volunteer at your local church or nonprofit or organization, but we've all had this moment where the work we're doing is new, and it's exciting, 
You know, it's this new adventure, and we walk in, and, and there's everything about it is new to us, and the people, the job, the places, everything, and it's, it builds our motivation. We're excited to learn how to do this, and we have all this enthusiasm, and then we start getting the hang of the work we're doing, and we think, I can do this. I can accomplish this. I'm fitting in, and our enthusiasm continues to grow, but when we start thinking, well, I'm not a real big fan of the hours. Uh, well, I'm not that big a fan of my boss, and just as quickly, your enthusiasm starts to wane a little bit. So then we think, okay, maybe it's time to go find new work. So we search and, and finally we find a new job or work and we're excited again and it's all brand new and we're thinking, okay, this is gonna be different. This is a better fit for me. This is where I'm supposed to be and we get all enthused and just as quickly we think, well, I really don't like my boss. Well, this pay is terrible. And once again, our enthusiasm is gone. And we know we're not supposed to, to have that mindset about work. In fact, the Bible actually tells us this about it. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. We are supposed to have enthusiasm and energy in the work that we are doing. And if you're like me, you grew up hearing that, and truthfully, I hated it. My parents would use it to try and manipulate me to get to do my chores. In fact, they would tell me, they'd say, well, you have to smile when you mow the lawn which I already thought, you guys already won. I'm mowing the lawn. Why do I need to smile? I really don't think God cares that much. I'm doing it. You know, I understood I was supposed to be enthused, but I didn't, I didn't get why. What was the purpose of me having enthusiasm in the work I was doing? I remember talking to my grandfather about it one time, and, and he told me the work ethic that was shared to him. And, and see, then it was, no matter the circumstances, no matter what he thought he was doing, if it mattered or not, he was going to put his head down and do it. That was the way he went after work. He was going to focus his energy on getting the, ta the task done. I think we've began to shift our mindset a little bit when it comes to our work. Uh, see, we're, we're not so focused nowadays on, on making sure we're getting the job done, that we're accomplishing our work. Uh, we're too focused searching for the purpose within our work. Is what I'm doing matter? Is there meaning behind it? Does it fit my purpose? Am I passionate about it? Do I enjoy what I am doing? That's why you hear those mottos, do what you love and find a way to get paid for it. Or do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. See, we believe that if we do what we're, you know, we love and what we're supposed to do, then we'll have all of this energy. Well, the only problem is we're not finding it. You know, in a recent study, I, I read that 13% of people believe that their work has purpose. Uh, let me flip that. So most of us are searching for purpose in our work. 87% of us are not finding it. But what's even scarier is that's, that's causing us to, to take something away from our work. See, right now we're in a bit of a dilemma. Um, I believe that the constant pursuit of purpose has become a distraction. You know, we just think, okay, if I, if I just do what I'm supposed to do, then I'll have the energy, then I'll be enthused. I'll be motivated to do this job if it's what I am supposed to do and it fits my purpose and we get so tangled up on figuring out what we are supposed to do. What's my purpose? What am I passionate about? And we seek that out instead of fulfilling the task at hand. Well, what if that question, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to do in work? What if that question was already answered? 
Well, I believe if you're in here or listening to this struggling with this idea of what's my purpose, the Bible's actually given us a pretty good answer. It says this in Matthew. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. See, God didn't just give us work to keep us busy. He didn't think we just needed a hobby. He did it so we could glorify him with what we're doing. Uh, an easier way to say this may be this right here. The purpose of our work is to make God known. Now, what I'm, I'm not saying is wherever you are working, whatever you are doing, whether it be a nine-to-five job or full-time parent or student or whatever work you have, that you don't go, you know, stand out in public or stand on your desk and start screaming Jesus' name. That's not going to work. I have a feeling if I did that as a pastor, they'd probably ask me to get down. But the work we do is supposed to show people who he is. We are supposed to be lights in a dark place in our work. Unfortunately, we're, we're focusing too much energy on figuring out if, if our purpose fits the work that we're trying to do. And we can only exert so much energy. I think all of us in here can agree that uh, we only have so much energy in a given day. And we can't split it between the two. I, I would actually contend this. We either spend our energy searching for purpose or fulfilling it. Now, I, I'm... Sure, you're hearing this thinking, well, yeah, I want to fulfill the purpose I have. I still just don't quite understand what I'm doing. Like, I get that I'm supposed to make God known. I get that. But what am I passionate about? I need to figure that out so I can find the right job. I need some specific answers to these questions. Well, what if we, what if we quit asking so many specific questions and just agreed that God has us right where he wants us to be? What if we agreed that where we are, the work we are doing right now, has purpose? In fact, that's what God asks us to do. In Proverbs, it tells us this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. and Do not trust in your own understanding. Agree with him in all your ways, and he will make your paths straight. Instead of focusing so much on figuring out what I am supposed to do, what I'm passionate about, what fits me best. Maybe we should just trust that he's got us and spend less time and energy searching for our purpose in our work and starting to fulfill it. Because see, if we want to fulfill our purpose, it means we need to spend our energy on the right things. And I believe uh, King David, before he became king, was able to learn what those right things are. You know, before he became king, he was a shepherd. And he was the youngest son out of the entire family, so he really wasn't expecting a whole lot in life. He'd probably stay working for his dad for the rest of his life. Well, then one day, he was told, hey, you are going to be the next king of our country. Pretty exciting. Going from kind of the bottom to the very top, and here's this boy thinking, man, I cannot wait to rule. I, I guarantee the first thing he did was probably went and told his brothers, hey, just so you know, um, I'm going to be leading you guys soon, so you may want to be nice to me. He, he just fantasized over, oh man, I can't wait till I, I can make decisions, that I can sit on the throne, I can have my cool crown, I can't wait for all of this stuff to happen. Well, it didn't happen as quickly as David was probably expecting it to. 
In fact, after he was anointed the next king, we know this in Samuel. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. So here is this this boy who is told, you will be the next king. And he was still tending his father's sheep. It would have been really easy in that moment for him to think, I don't want to do this. I'm supposed to be king. That's the job. That's the work that I'm supposed to have, so give me that. But he realized something. God had already given his work purpose. Even if it was being a shepherd, he knew his work had purpose. And so he was able to focus his energy on the right thing. See, David knew this about purpose. Purpose requires patience. I think this is where you and I struggle a lot uh, when it comes to our work because we're always looking for that next best thing. And that's kind of what we're taught. You know, we grow up and we, we work hard so we can climb the ladder. We began to focus so much on where am I supposed to go next or ideally what is the best thing for me that we've become very impatient with the work that we've been given presently. We start thinking, man, well, this is pointless because I'm supposed to be doing this, and I don't like where I am right now, so I need to take off. And because of that, we've, we've become a culture that tends to jump from job to job and, and different work all the time. In fact, I, I read a study that said in 2015, the average worker, by the time they reach 40, will have 10 different jobs. And that number is expected to increase over the next few years. Now, you may be hearing this and thinking, well, I've had more than 10 jobs. That's not that big of a deal. In fact, it's a good thing because it gives you experience. It allows you to test the waters of other things to see what you really like. However, that's not exactly how companies see it. Uh, See, in a different magazine article, in the Forbes magazine, it stated that the number one biggest obstacle when it came to hiring people is job hopping. And the reason they gave is that it shows the focus of that potential employee. It described it as saying that when somebody goes from work to work, their focus is on them and what they can get out of it. And when the, the job or work no longer benefits them, they take off. They're not focused on the task at hand, the company at hand. They're focused on what is coming next. Now, for me, I know I struggled with that a lot. I remember it was back in college when I felt this, this call to ministry. You know, I decided, wow, I'm supposed to be a pastor. And I thought, finally, my life has purpose. I have meaning. So I went and I told the church I was a part of at the time, hey, guess what? I'm going to be a pastor. And I was very much assuming they'd be like, well, that's perfect. We have the best job right here for you. Sign on up. Apparently, there was no work for me. I also learned that when you graduate college, uh, they want you to pay that back, so you need to go find work. So I started looking for jobs, and each one I went to, I thought, well, this job doesn't matter because I'm supposed to work in a church. My focus was never on the work I was given. It was on the work I wanted. David's focus was not on being king. As easily as as he could have decided nothing else matters but being king, he realized that he needed to stay focused right where he was. And we know that because he told us. See, in Psalms, he said this. 
Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. David understood that being patient meant more than just waiting. He understood it meant being present where you are, being focused where you were. And so it did not matter what work he was given. He was going to focus there. If, if, if he was a shepherd, he was going to focus on being a shepherd. If he had to run food back and forth for the military, he was going to focus on that work. Whatever he was given, he was there and present. And truthfully, that's where God taught him most of the lessons he needed to become king. See, we know that David had no formal military training, but yet he was this amazing warrior. Well, in that time of being patient, God taught him how to fight and protect the sheep that he was watching over. David also had no you know, diplomatic or political knowledge and schooling, but yet he was one of the best kings and leaders Israel had ever seen. It was in that time of being patient that he learned how to listen to the people around him, how to respond in a godly way, how to lead people around him. God could be trying to teach us where we are right now, what we need to learn for what is next, but we need to stay focused there. See, I would actually contend this. Where we are right now could be exactly where God wants us. We may be thinking, but this, this job is just not for me. I don't like the work that I'm doing. I don't enjoy what I am doing, but it may be exactly where God wants us. So instead of spending so much energy trying to get out, maybe we should spend our energy buying in. We may just learn what God wants to teach us. Now, if, if waiting was all David had to do, it would have been pretty easily. He just would have twiddled his thumbs and waited for the chance to become king. It didn't go so smoothly. He had to deal with a lot of struggle and hardship. In fact, we know this in Samuel. David now stayed in the strongholds of the wilderness and in the hill country of Ziph. Saul hunted him day after day, but God didn't let Saul find him. Uh, now Saul, if you're wondering, is the present king, and he's not a great one. But he finds out that David is supposed to be the next king after him, and he doesn't like that very much. So he decides, well, I'm going to kill David. Now I'm guessing you and I have never been hunted day after day. And for David, this had to have been something weighing on his heart, making him think, man, like, God, this is just not going to work out. This isn't worth it. David could have easily began justifying quitting and giving up on what God had wanted him to do. In fact, I have a feeling most of us would have found some sort of excuse to say, hey, you know what? I'm actually going to go do something different. I don't need to do this anymore. I don't feel like hiding out in a cave. We've actually gotten really good at justifying quitting stuff. And if you don't believe me, I decided to give you some examples. So our, uh, our friend, Jimmy Fallon, has a segment on his show called Hashtag Why I Quit. And what happens is people write in reasons they quit their job, and if they're funny enough, uh, old Jimmy will read it on his show. And so we have a few for you here that I wanted you to take a look at. Now I thought I'd share some of my favorite why I quit stories from you guys. This first one's from at Soupy McSoupface. He says, my boss refused to correct my name badge which said brain instead of Brian. He said, you're brain now, so deal with it. <laughs> huh? Okay, brain? Nope. Now I'm Soupy McSoupface. Yeah. 
This one is from at Tu Shunli. She says, my boss made me give him piggyback rides after we mopped the floors every night so there would be fewer footprints. <laughs> <laughs> this is one's from at Bren Nancaro. She says, I babysat this kid who kept pointing at me and saying, you're next. <laughs> after the fourth time, I gave my two weeks notice. You're next. This one's from Matt K. Schmooz. She says, my old job had a phone in the restroom. Our boss would call it if he thought you'd been in there too long. Oh. Like, oh, come on, man. That's not ah, good. Come on, dude. Come on, man. This one's from Matt Jonathan Young. He said, my boss asked if I had a knife to open a box. I gave her one. I was later written up for having a knife at work. Come on. That's entrapment. Come on, that's Cash 22. You know, some of those are funny or uh, possibly irrational on the boss's part. But uh, if you think about it, I don't know if those were all legitimate reasons to quit a job. Uh, we've really gotten ourselves into this rut of where if we don't like our circumstances, we don't enjoy what we're doing, we, we don't know if it's gonna work out or exactly how everything's gonna benefit us, we decide it's time to, to pack it in. We start looking elsewhere. We decide, I'm going to quit what I'm doing and, and go search elsewhere. David could have easily done that. But see, he realized that the work he was given, even when it came to surviving in caves, he knew it had purpose. And so he wasn't going to give up. See, David understood something very special about purpose. He knew this. Purpose requires grit. Now, I, I wanted you to have a good definition of grit so you understand what I'm talking about. And so it's this. Grit is the character to commit and complete. Uh, I think a lot of us are really good at committing. It's the completing part we struggle with. See, we'll commit to something until the circumstances uh, change we're no longer happy with what we're doing. We no longer feel like this is what we're supposed to do. We no longer have enthusiasm or motivation to do what we're doing. We'll commit to something as long as it benefits us. But the second that changes, we tend to start looking elsewhere. You know, David could have easily justified leaving. I mean, at one point, he's literally hiding out in caves day after day wondering what is my life going to become, wondering if he's even going to survive to the next day. And he starts writing these psalms. See, a lot of the psalms that we have in the Bible come from these periods where he's in the caves. And you could imagine what's going on in his mind, thinking, I just, <laughs> I just don't want to do this anymore. You know, I, I remember for me, there were many periods in my life where I thought, man, I just, I can't complete what I'm doing. You know, before I was a pastor here, uh, I worked at a few different jobs in Rapid City. And, and one of them I had for about three and a half years. I was a vehicle specialist at a pre-owned dealership. Uh, you may know that as used car salesman. And uh, I, would, I would tell everyone I was going to be a pastor. In fact, when I interviewed for the job, I told them, hey, I'm not going to stay here that long. I'm going to work in a church. 
And they knew that. My coworkers knew that. I'd even tell my customers that, which I'll be honest, a lot of them did not believe me. They thought it was a trick. Uh, the, part, the people who did believe me would generally apologize for all the swearing they've been doing, uh, which I will say, I, I always forgave them. Once they bought the vehicle, I always forgave them. <laughs> but everyone knew my real work, my purpose was in a church. And so that's how I saw that job. I was just doing this until I got to work in a church. Well, after, after a few years, I started thinking, maybe this isn't what I'm going to do. Maybe God doesn't want me to stay here. Maybe he wants me to go somewhere else. Maybe I'm not supposed to be a pastor after all. And I would watch as different people got hired here at Fountain Springs thinking, man, I'm just, I'm never going to work there. I might as well quit and go find a job somewhere else. I might as well just leave. So I started planning this exit strategy. And it gave me such a, a gut-aching feeling. Because, see, I had committed but the circumstances were not working out in my favor, and so I didn't think I was going to be able to complete. I wonder how many times David sat in the caves with that same gut-aching feeling, thinking, I've, I've committed, I just don't know if I can complete. And see, some of his psalms talked about that struggle, and there was one that he wrote in particular that here he is in the cave, struggling day after day, not sure if he is going to survive. He doesn't have any idea what's going to happen or if he's even going to be alive the next day. And he writes this down. My heart is confident in you, O oh God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. Wake up, my heart, wake up. O oh, lyre and harp, I will wake the dawn with my song. I will thank you, Lord, among all the people I will sing your praises among the nations, for your unfailing love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Here's a man who's just trying to survive, hiding out in caves, talking about being confident, unfailing love, faithfulness. It does not sound like a man who's planning on giving up. See, he knew that where he was had purpose. And so he was going to stick it out regardless of the circumstances. You know, I think we've all heard this saying a lot. Uh, the grass is greener on the other side. <laughs> but um, South Dakota, can we own something? Every single winter, we're surrounded by brown grass. We don't just pack up and move south. Well, some of us do, not all of us do. But in the spring, we know that the rain will bring green grass again. Maybe it's not about moving to find green grass. Maybe it's about sticking through winter. Maybe where we are is where God wants us to be, but we just need to push through the winter that we're in. Maybe instead of focusing so much energy on trying to make an exit strategy, we should make a strategy on how to dig into where we are and push through to find the purpose God has. You know, something I, I always admired about David was his work ethic. Because see, he never, or he had many jobs before he became king. And all of them were kind of just these mundane tasks. You know, he was, he was a shepherd, he was a runner boy, he was an armor bearer, he was a harp player, all these things that really didn't help you climb a ladder to become king, but he always had the same attitude about each and every work 
he did, and, and I wanted to share it with you here. See, whatever Saul gave David to do, he did it and did it well. David understood that as pointless as the work may seem, God had given it purpose. He was there to make God known, to glorify him, so he was going to put all of his energy into doing the best he could. If it was being a shepherd, he was going to be the best shepherd possible. If it was running food, he was going to do the best he possibly could. David, again, knew that he had to spend his energy on the right things. He understood this about purpose. Purpose requires a pursuit of excellence. I think a lot of us have given up pursuing excellence in the work we have, which is really easy to do because we've lost enthusiasm and motivation, and a lot of times when we lose that energy, the first thing to go is our work ethic. You know, for me, I, uh, I struggled through that this last year. Uh, I, I love theater. I've been in plays my entire life, and I, I've always enjoyed it. And I was actually in a play last year. Some of you may have seen it. If you loved it, awesome. If not, uh, don't ever tell me. But I just, I loved it. And I would put all of my energy into having the best performance possible. And then I started realizing that I was pursuing excellence in this play and mailing it in with my actual job. I think a lot of us realize we're not passionate about what we're doing, and so we begin to mail it in. I got to the point where I wondered, man, maybe I should, maybe I should quit working in a church in ministry. Maybe I should go pursue acting because I love that. I'm way more passionate about that than what I am working at the church. The problem is just because I was less passionate doesn't mean I could start mailing it in. It meant I needed to start focusing my energy on the right things so I could be pursuing excellence because our loss of passion is not God's fault. It's us focusing our energy on the wrong thing. So maybe if that's you, if, if you've realized that, yeah, I've, I haven't been pursuing excellence, and not just in a nine-to-five job. Maybe I I've been struggling pursuing excellence with my friendships, with my relationships, with the way I raise my kids. Maybe we've lost that energy and motivation and we've began mailing it in in a lot of different ways in our life. If that's true, then it's time we flip our mindset and start looking at our work differently. Uh, there's a great illustration that I thought sums this up perfectly. There's three men hauling wheelbarrows full of rocks down the road, and this stranger sees them and stops each one of them. And he stops the first man and asks, well, what are you doing? And the first man throws his wheelbarrow down and with a grimace on his face says, I'm hauling rocks. Picks his wheelbarrow back up and just trudges on down the road. The second man comes, and the stranger asks him the same thing. What are you doing? And he puts his wheelbarrow down and, and a little confused says, well, no, I'm building a wall. Picks his wheelbarrow back up and quickly follows after the first guy. Finally, the third man comes and the stranger once again asks him the same question. What are you doing? And with a big smile on his face, he puts the wheelbarrow down and says, I'm building a castle and it's going to be magnificent. 
picks his wheelbarrow backs up and charges ahead. Maybe we've lost motivation and enthusiasm because we don't believe we're building a castle. See, the truth is, God is using our work to build something magnificent. We are building his kingdom here on earth, here in our community. Whether you believe it or not, whether it's working at a hospital or a grocery store as a teacher or a full-time student, full-time grandparent, whatever work you have, you are building God's kingdom. But maybe you don't see it that way. So maybe the question you need to ask yourself today is this. Do I believe God is using me to build something? Do I believe that I'm building something magnificent? Or am I just hauling rocks? Am I waking up every single day thinking this is pointless? This does not fit what I'm looking for. Or are you willing to accept that where you are is where God wants you because it has purpose and that purpose is pretty special. We have been chosen to share who he is and build his kingdom, but we need to accept and trust that that's the truth. Or maybe, maybe you've been struggling with all of this. You're just not sure where your focus is when it comes to your work, so maybe a better question to ask yourself is this. Where am I spending my energy? Am I focused on searching for my purpose in my work? Am I trying to figure out what my passion is, what fits me best? Or am I focusing my energy on fulfilling the purpose I know God gave me? Whether you uh, agree or not, God gave us something pretty special with work. I didn't believe that growing up. I do now. I get it. We're building a magnificent kingdom, and he's using us and the work he gives us in the way we go about our day, our relationships, our friendships, the way we raise our kids, the work ethic we have at work is all being used to build his kingdom right here. We get to build something special. We need to believe that. I hope that we are a group of people who accept that truth and are willing to trust what he is doing in our lives because it's pretty magnificent. We gotta trust. Let me pray for you. Dear Lord, it is incredible how you are using us in ways we can't even imagine, in ways we can't figure out. You are putting a puzzle together that is so beautiful and would never be able to see it. I pray that that anyone who is struggling with their purpose, what am I supposed to do? I pray that they are willing to accept what you have for them, that you have them right where you want them, that where you have them has purpose so they can spend their energy being focused and present on buying in, on being able to commit and complete, on pursuing excellence, on fulfilling the purpose, because, Lord, we want to build your kingdom here. We want to see something magnificent. Thank you for letting us be a part of that. 
time, Lord, we're so thankful. We love you, and we are so thankful you love us. Amen.